0: Praise him like you mean that. Praise him like you believe he's coming back in white robes on clouds of glory. Praise him like you believe he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Praise him like you believe there's no other God like our God, that He is Jehovah. He is I am, He is the great I am. Hallelujah to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Blessed be the name of the Lord hallelujah hallelujah thank you so much to our worship team for leading us this morning if you just remain standing for just a few more moments take your Bibles turn to the book of Exodus chapter 13 the book of Exodus chapter 13 is where we'll be going this morning Exodus chapter 13 verse 17 this is the last Sunday of the month and the kids will be staying in here with us Uh, which gives me an opportunity. I know he's making his way back, uh, but I'm so thankful for the ministry of the Richardsons here at Startful Church of God. Most of you know that they have been over the last couple months starting a church. That's not easy work. Starting a church over in Columbus. And uh, we knew that transition time was coming, and they've been serving with us here going over there trying to make things happen Uh, but july the 25th that sunday morning will be their last sunday with us and they'll be transitioning full-time over to pastor their church over in columbus and i just want to say how much and i will say more on that day um, but i want to say how thankful i am to the richardsons they have served here with integrity they have served here faithfully When this church was walking through a very difficult place, they were here and they served faithfully. Would you let the Richardsons know how much we appreciate them? (laughs) On that Sunday, our Secretary General... Dr. John Childers is going to be here with us preaching that morning, and we're going to pray over them, and we're going to pray God's blessings over their church as they go forward, and I'm thankful for them and what they have done here. The book of Exodus chapter 13, going to read verses 17 and 18, reading from the King James this morning. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest preadventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Israel. Egypt. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning on the subject, a time. To survive would you stretch your hands this way and pray for me and I'm going to pray for you father we just thank you so much for today we thank you for what you've done in our worship thank you for how you have blessed us so far and I pray for this time in this service where we come and we pull ourselves up to your table and we break the bread of life together I pray God that you would anoint me from top of my head to the soles of my feet give me the clarity of thought the clarity of speech that I need let your anointing flow Lord Lord all over me God let me preach like a man from another world, oh Lord. I pray, God, for this congregation, that you'd open their hearts, their minds, their spirits. I believe this is good ground. And, Lord, I'm believing that your word will bring forth a mighty harvest, Lord. Those listening by podcast, that you're going to touch them and change them as well. And, Father, we just give you the praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say, amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. God has a plan. How many of y'all believe that this morning? I wish you'd look at the person beside you and say, God has a plan. And we love it and we look forward to it. And most of the time we are enamored with a plan. We all get excited. We like to talk about the plan that God has. We like to talk about how God has a destiny for us. We like to talk about as as the Israelites were leaving Egypt on their way to the promised land. We like to talk about the destination. We like to talk about the fulfillment. But there's something that we often do not like to talk about. And that is the process that leads us to the plan. If the Lord allows me, when we start, when we hit fall, and I believe it's August the 15th will be our first service when Mississippi State students are back in and we begin to kick off, and if the Lord allows me, I'm going to begin a series uh, On this very subject. I'm going to kind of scratch the surface today, but I'm going to begin a series on the children of Israel and the plans and the purposes of God. And we always like to hear those things that there's a plan and a destiny and a purpose, but we are never thrilled with the process. The word process and other words like procedure, proceed, and processional indicates a moving toward something you see when I start naming those kind of words we don't quite feel quite as excited we're not quite as enamored by those words but I need to let you know this morning that those are words that God wants us to know and I think sometimes we do ourselves a grave injustice because we like to talk about the promise way down yonder but we never want to talk about the process of getting to the promise there's a few of you that know what I'm talking about this morning. The processional that a graduating senior or a bride at her wedding walks through is indicative of this journey of life. You see, I think we also have done ourselves an injustice when, you know, we've kind of got to the place where, oh, we don't want any of this anymore. And I know some of the Pump and circumstance sometimes can be a little bit too much for us. But we need to go back to the roots of why some of these things were begun and why they were started. Because these things point us up toward the fact that we are heading in a direction that there is a journey to get to the destination. It reminds us this that nobody merely arrives anywhere. That there's a process to get there. As I've already mentioned, there's a process when we're talking about a a graduating senior, whether it be high school or whether it be college, as they have that processional, it is representing the process that they have been through so far. If it's a normal journey for a high schooler, they've been a freshman, a sophomore, they've been a junior, and then a senior, and they have walked through it, they have gone through the process, they have passed their classes, and now they have come to the journey. We're always excited as we were just a month or so ago as we celebrate the graduation and we they throw up their caps and they hold their diplomas, but sometimes we need to remember that way longer than that hour ceremony where we were throwing up caps and holding up diplomas, there were times in that sophomore year that there was a final that we were trying to study for, and we just didn't know if we were going to pass it. Come on, somebody, help me this morning. Y'all are quiet. i gone for one Sunday, and y'all get quiet on me. There was a process in the process of a bride. She comes to that place. Now, hopefully, I know there's some goofy shows on television, but hopefully in the process of a bride becoming that bride, she didn't just show up there. There was a meeting. Anybody ever met anybody before <laughs> There was a meeting. There was that one moment where you met. I can tell you mine and Jamie's story. It wasn't a, you know, it's not one of those romantic, but it was a meeting. We were at Steak and Shake in Cleveland, Tennessee. I was already in the restaurant. I was sitting with a table full of people. I knew everybody at that table. She walks in the door. I'd never met her before. She walks in the door, knows everybody at that table except for me, and walks down through there greeting people till she gets to me, and she's like, who are you? <laughs> it's a process, but through the process of meeting and through the process of dating and to the process of finally, when you walk down that aisle and finally the two then become one and make a covenant between them and the Lord, it is a process getting there nobody merely arrives anywhere my parents are here and I'm thankful they're here today when I was a kid I believe it was on Saturday afternoons now how many of you ever watched Star Trek now I'm not talking about we really didn't watch the old ones with Spock and all that we watched Star Trek the next generation with Captain Picard and Data and all those and in the Star Trek they were able to what beam people from one place to another if they they wanted to get a plant to a planet. Sometimes they'd have to take a little shuttle, but most of the time they'd get in this transporter and it would beam them from one place. To another. Now, th- I wish that that was in existence, but folks, that is not in existence. If you want to get to some place, there is a process, there is a plan, there is a procedure, a processional, there is something that you've got to go through to get to the place where you want to go. I wish, I wish this past week I could have just beamed myself over to Texas and beamed myself back but southwest was just not on the schedule i wanted them to be and not even really on the schedule they said they would be (laughs) and i wish that i could have just gotten there and gotten back in a moment but there is a process and a journey that must take place this process is revealed scripturally as we study Israel's coming out of Egypt and going to the promised land, God had a plan for his people. But but they wandered for 40 years through the process known as the wilderness. Everybody say the wilderness. The tragic truth is that only two of the original people that came out of Egypt survived the wilderness and entered into the promised land. You see, I believe that Satan does his best work while you and I are in the wilderness. I believe that he does his best work while we're in the process, when we've not arrived at the promise, when we've not arrived at the destination, when we're somewhere in that middle that gets bored. Boring and gets tiring and gets lonesome sometimes. It's there that the enemy comes in and wants to attack us and wants to destroy us. So we ask the question, how does one survive the wilderness? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've got three simple things I want to give you and I'll let you go. I know that you're hot We were getting the air conditioner. The motor came in, and it was a bad motor they shipped. How many of you know that you can't hardly get anything anymore? It's everything's on back order. So thanks to the Smiths for providing. Some of you got the fans out there. Thanks to the Smiths for providing these fans that some of y'all are fanning with. Number one, how do we survive the wilderness? We first realize that there are some things that you are not meant to change. You are only meant to survive. Now, sometimes as Christians, that bothers us because we're like, oh, bless God, we're supposed to change things. No, not everything. You see, Israel was never meant to change the wilderness. The wilderness was meant to change them. Can I tell you something? That same wilderness that was wilderness thousands of years before when this was written, if you flew over there right now, guess what it is? Still a wilderness. It was never God's intention for Israel to change the wilderness. The wilderness was meant to change them. You see, they did not involve themselves in changing anything until they entered into the promise and they started marching around walls and defeating giants. Yes, certainly. There is a time, there is a place, there is a season where God has called us to change things, where God has called us to tear down walls, where God has called us to kill giants, where God has called us to tear down strongholds. But there are times that God has called those wildernesses to change us. You see, the wilderness was a filtering time and a screening process. You know, we all, we all want greatness. We all want to be great. We all want to be anointed. We all want big things. But how many of you know that it takes a filtering and a screening and a process to get there? Right now, we look at it. We look at those boys as we are here in this city. We're celebrating our college baseball team, going to the national championship. But you look at those boys, and hey, last night was, it's a spectacle. This week is going to be a spectacle at Omaha. But you know, there was years before they ever made it to Omaha, Omaha. Where they were out at T ball fields and out in their yards pitching and catching and doing drills, going to camps when they'd rather be sleeping in. It was a process. To get them to where they are. Many times we also, as believers in our spiritual walks, you know, we want to be these powerful and anointed men and women of God. And that is certainly a great thing to want. But can I just tell you, just like you never arrive at a just arrive at a place at a destination, just like you can't just be in Star Trek and get beamed from an immature Christian to a great and mighty man of God, it is a process in getting there. My mama shared just today on Facebook, I believe it was 10 years ago, a picture of these two pretty girls sitting up there, and they were a lot smaller than they are now. Thank the Lord, and nobody's more thankful than Jamie that they didn't show up that size they are now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a process of growing. It's a process of changing. It's a process that God puts us through. And the story of Moses reveals this truth at age 40. Moses thought he was ready to be Israel's great deliverer. I don't have time tonight or this morning to go into that entire story, but go back and read about it. Some of you know the story. Moses, he felt there was a call there for certain. And listen, that's a problem with a lot of young ministers and a lot of young people. The call is real there. The call on Moses' life was real there. But the filtering and the maturing was not there. And so what happens, what happens he is Moses because he was not ready and he was not matured and he had not been through the wilderness, he killed an Egyptian and became a murderer. So it took 40 years after murdering that Egyptian and the next day, his own people who he thought he was defending, they're in a fight, two Hebrews, and they're like, what you going to do, kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? So Moses took off and he took off to the wilderness and he was there for 40 years years for 40 years he was on the back side of the wilderness working for his father-in-law until finally 40 years later he came across a bush that was on fire that didn't burn up my lord that's another story for another day I'm talking about the process. See, that's what happens. We get so excited. We want to get to the burning bush. We want to get to the Lord telling him, tell him I am sent you. Show him, put your hand in your coat. Pull it out. It's leprous. Put it back. It's healed. Throw down your rod. It becomes a snake. Pick it up. It turns back. We want to talk about all that. But we don't want to talk about the 40 long years in the wilderness. You see, you and I are not always fruitful. There are seasons of fruitfulness in our lives for certain. But during our less fruitful times, we are much like a tree in the winter when the sap goes underground only to come alive again in the spring. What happens? The tree simply outlives the winter season. You see, that never became more apparent to me than when we moved up there into the Midwest and you move up there north and you find that there comes a time in the winter time where there ain't nothing green nowhere. Everything looks like it's Dead. Every tree looks like you might as well go cut it down because it has died. But sure enough, if it lasts that whole long winter, when springtime begins to come, suddenly what was dead begins to come alive buds begin to spring out. Little green leaves begin to come. That grass that had just turned gray and dead, green begins to show up again. I need to talk to somebody this morning and tell you, you will go through times of wilderness. You will go through winter seasons where it feels like you're dead, and it feels like you're worthless, but you just got to hold on through the process because if you'll hold on and let God change you and let God filter you and let Let God shape you and mold like Brother Eric was talking about this morning. Just go to the, Jesus was never about leaving people the same way he found them. He's about changing us and shaping us and molding us. And if you'll just let him do that, the time is going to come. And life is going to come again. And tree, you're going to bud and you're going to bring forth fruit again in due season. There are times in life when you have to simply outlive certain situations. The older I get, the more I learn. Some stuff in some seasons, I'm not meant to change. God never took Israel through the wilderness to change the wilderness. It was for the wilderness to change them. And I find God will take me through things. And sometimes in the middle of the things, I just really want God to change the things that's going on around it. When the whole time, God's not wanting to change the things at all. He's wanting to change this thing going through it. I got to keep moving. Secondly, how do we survive the wilderness? This is something that if I haven't, I don't know if I've said this yet or not since I've been here. But you just guarantee you'll hear it many more times over the years. Number two, don't make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. I'm going to say that one more time. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. What you are facing and going through in your life is transitional. It's here today, but it's going to be gone tomorrow. Tomorrow. We find the children of Israel made the tragic mistake of making decisions based on temporary circumstances that the wilderness provided. What happened? They doubted God. They were temporarily in the wilderness when God's plan was to take them to the land flowing with milk and honey. And they griped and they grumbled and they complained and they doubted God. And because they made permanent decisions of speaking against God, Speaking against Moses because of the temporary circumstances, it became a permanent decision that they did so. You see, during these times that we find ourselves in, prayer must become a priority in our lives. Prayer is the seasoning that makes our decisions palatable. You listen to me here, here in this building, and maybe somebody listening by podcast today, I need you to hear this pastor's heart. Please don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary circumstance please don't walk out of that marriage I know you're going through a tough time every marriage goes through a dry time every marriage goes through a time where you get on each other's nerves and you aggravate one another but please don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary circumstance some of y'all got jobs and your boss is getting on your nerves and I'm not saying never change jobs what I'm saying is you better pray about it don't quit that good job because right Right now, it's aggravating because I'm here to tell you, and if I haven't said this, here you go. The grass sometimes is is greener on the other side, but the reason that it is is because it's built over a septic tank. (laughs) (laughs) Folks think it's going to be better. Look at that green grass. Oh, it's better. She's going to treat me better than he does. He's going to love me better than this other one i got does i'm gonna go over that way and sure enough they go over that way all that green grass and they begin to step in it i i'm not trying to be too gross but i am because that's how it is come on anybody ever been where where a septic tank spills out and you got all that sewage it's all green but you step in it you smell that old mud Come on, I'm taking you someplace right now. You smell that old mud. It's got that stick. Come on if you've ever done it. Don't y'all be ashamed. You begin to step in that mess and it stinks and everything. That's what happens when you think the grass is greener on the other side. How many times I've talked with people who they were tired. and Again, I'm not saying never, never, change jobs or anything but sometimes they're so sick of my job and they just that company just got to be better that job just got to be better then they get over there and what happens there they hate it worse than they did the first one sometimes these seasons are seasons and we're meant to go through them and we should not make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances their lack of faith listen their lack of faith extended their stay in the wilderness. God never intended on them to be there 40 years, but their doubt extended it. You see, I read to you in verse 17 and 18, our text, that it was God's will to take them the longer way through the wilderness. But God never intended for Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Read it sometime. I don't have time to read it and go into all of it. Read it and you'll find that God's ultimate plan was to get them on this detour that the wilderness was not supposed to be nearly that long. But it was their unbelief and their doubt that caused their wilderness experience to be turned into 40 years, and that everybody from that older generation, except two, Caleb and Moses, died in Joshua. And Moses never made it in the promised land, but the reason he didn't was because of a whole other thing. And I don't have time for that again either. I'm telling you, I got a whole series I want to do, but God never intended for them to go that long in the wilderness, but it was their own doubt. Listen to me. Hold on. Hold on, somebody. Hold on in your wilderness. Hold on. Yes, sometimes God has. Sometimes, I know, listen, the, the quickest place to up there is to go straight here, but God did intend for them to take a little detour through the wilderness. He intended for them to do that, but it was his plan for them to go through, take this little detour, and head to the promised land. But what happened, their doubt caused them to have to, Circle, forty years, forty years, forty years. They wandered forty years. They circled forty years. They had to wander around in their wilderness because of doubt. Sometimes it, listen, I got to move on. Sometimes we want to blame everything on the devil, but sometimes it's our own stinking fault. I'm gonna keep on moving. Number three, final one. How do we survive the wilderness? Remember. That you have an appointment with destiny. Satan will attempt to assassinate the will of God in your life. Circumstance may even try to contradict purpose. But purpose will always prevail. Now don't misunderstand me this morning. I don't want you to leave here depressed. I just want you to leave here encouraged because some of you, because you're going to go through this process, but don't forget that as much as there is a process, there is a promise. But the Lord does have a destination for Israel in this particular instance it was the it was Canaan it was the promised land it was the land flowing with milk and honey it was this place where God wanted to set them up and bless them to be his people so that they could be multiplied just like I've been preaching on Abraham for weeks and everything the promises and the covenant that God had made with Abraham that was the place of purpose and promise and there's always going to be remember you do have a destiny God told Eve that she would be the mother of all the living. And then one day, she realized all she had given birth to was a corpse and its murderer. Most of y'all are familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. She had two her first two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain murdered Abel. And there was a point in Eve's life where all she had was a corpse and a murderer. But yet God had promised her that she was going to be the mother of all the living. And there was a moment in her life where she probably said, what happened to the promise of God? God promised me this. God promised me that I was going to be the mother of all living, but now I stand here with a dead son and a son that's a murderer. It seemed that God had been thrown a curveball with this set of circumstances. But I need somebody to hear me today and listen. Never forget that God never has to catch up with any of us. Nothing has ever just occurred to God. Now, yes, for us as people, there are all kind of curveballs that get thrown into our life. There's stuff that comes in our way and our life that we never, ever, ever saw coming. But remember, none of it caught God off guard. He knew it the whole time. He saw it the whole time. And a plan of escape and provision has already been built into your destiny. You see when we look back we find that God had a Seth in the loins of Adam. That was their third son and the name Seth means substitute. You see there is a divine substitute waiting to be born in your life and you need to realize this, that Seth is not God's second best and Seth is not God's band-aid fix but Seth is the ultimate plan of God to fulfill His original purpose to you in the first place. We see it in Jesus. Listen, when God made the world, He knew from the very beginning that man was going to mess it up, man was going to sin, and that man was going to need a Redeemer. That's why Jesus was not some Band-Aid emergency fix. God didn't run over to heaven and break the glass and say, Oh, we've got an emergency. We've got to pull out Jesus. No, that's why Scripture said he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. God knew from the very beginning what was going to happen. Jesus was always the answer and will always be the answer. And I need you to know here today that whatever you're walking through and going through, you feel like it's a curveball. You feel like that something has messed up and it's thrown God off, of course. No, it may have thrown you off, but it never threw him off. He knows that the whole time and where he's taking you through has been his purpose the entire time. You just didn't know it. Go ahead and give the Lord praise if you believe it. Seth is the ultimate plan of God to fulfill his original promise to you in the first place. The difficulties that we go through, the things that we walk through, God knows way ahead of time, and He knows how to fix it. Stand with me, if you will, please. I want to give you two scriptures here, don't leave me, that I hope this helps you see and understand. The book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, says this. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. To fill up their sins away. For the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Daniel chapter 10. I want you to see this. It's the singers and musicians are coming. They can start playing softly. In Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. Then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy works. Listen to this. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. I need you to listen to your pastor. Satan can delay the plan of God. But he cannot deny the plan of God. He can hinder it, but he can't abort it. The enemy will try every which way that he can. Once again, there's so many sermons in this. You read about Israel and their journey to the promised land. and You read about a guy named Balaam that got hired by a king named Balak to curse Israel. All along the way, Satan tried to hinder it satan tried to stop it why did he do that let me just tell you i don't think satan is so much worried about the fact that israel was going to go over there to that little plot of land no what he was worried about was the seed of david he was worried about the messiah that he knew was going to come from there that's what he was worried. he could care less about land and all that So when the enemy tries to stop your plan that God has for you, your destination that God has for you, it's not necessarily that he cares that much even about you, but he cares about what God is going to do in your life. We used to preach and teach about this a whole lot. We don't do it a whole lot anymore because I think we're afraid we're going to scare people to death anymore. But I've come to find it's biblical, and I've found it true in life that the enemy is limited in resources. But when he sees that God is about to do something in somebody or in a church or in a group of people, he's going to come against them as hard as he can to stop the plan of God. Why do you think he got Herod to kill all the babies when he knew Jesus was about to be born? Why listen, that was none of that none of that's about people. All of that is the enemy trying to stop it. And listen, the enemy, maybe I read you two times in the scripture where Paul said, Satan hindered us, but we're going to get there. And Daniel, where God, the, the angel said, the answer was dispatched at the moment you asked. But Satan hindered it. The prince of Persia, the evil spirits hindered it. For 21 days they hindered it. But the archangel Michael showed up and made the way. The enemy may delay your plans. The enemy may delay what God has for you, but He can never stop what God has for you and in your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I can tell you, I know what it is. I know what it is to walk through a wilderness spiritually. I know what it is for the Lord to take me through a place. And the entire time, it was never about God wanting me to change the things around me, but it was more about God wanting to change me by the things around me. Maybe you're here and maybe you've been going through something like that. Maybe maybe it's confused you because maybe you felt like, like I've said, we've preached about the destiny, we've preached about the destination, we've preached about the promised land so much that we don't preach about the 40 years in the wilderness. We don't preach about the 40 years. 40 long years Moses spent on the backside of the desert. Then 40 more years that Israel spent wandering around in the wilderness. No, we just want to talk about when they cross the Jordan and they march around Jericho and kill the giants and all that kind of stuff. But God sent me here this morning to talk to some people about the 40 years of wondering about the process that God takes us through sometimes. God sent me to let somebody know He hasn't forgotten about you. He still has a plan and a purpose for you. But He has to take us through wilderness experiences to mold us and shape us into what He wants us to be. If there's anybody here this morning, you say, Pastor, I feel like I'm going through one of those wilderness experiences. I feel like I'm in one of those dead seasons, like you talked about those trees in the winter time that every bit of green is gone and it looks like it's dead and there's no hope. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you felt confused because you know God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for you, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. And you feel like you're living in a wilderness. But this morning, the Holy Spirit has confirmed to you through God's Word. He hadn't forgotten about you. He hadn't quit on you. It's a process. It's a plan. It's a journey to God's destination. If you're here and you feel like you're going through that right now and you just need the Lord's help and the Lord's strength, I just wish you'd come and find a place at this altar right here, right now. Anybody here in this place, these altars are open. You feel like you've walked through a wilderness. You feel like you're going through some stuff. I don't know. Nobody may be here. and Hey, we'll we'll let loose and I'll see you back here tonight. But I got a feeling that there, out of a crowd like this, there's got to be. God, God put this on my heart today. To preach this this morning, that there's got to be some people here, and you're going through that process, and you don't understand it. Sometimes you feel like God's forgotten about you. God has not forgotten about you. God has not given up on you. God has not quit on you. You're going through this. You're going through this so that the things around you can shape you and change you, and you're going to have a testimony that you can share with somebody else and say I've been there. I've gone through it. I've lived through it. And I know that God if he brought me through, he'll bring you through. I need some ladies to come and pray right here if you would anybody else. I'm not in a hurry right now. Anybody else here today? Anybody else here in this house? Please don't sit back. Please don't. Please don't just sit back and wish when we let out of here, and you're just like, "Yeah, I wish I would have went." Don't. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna pause for just a moment because I want to invite anybody, anybody. As the praise team begins to go ahead and sing, if y'all begin to sing right now. Yes, if you're here, come on. I knew there was more. I knew there was more. Just come on. Let the Lord, nobody's here to judge you. This is God's plan for you. His plan was the wilderness. His plan was to go through the wilderness.
1: Walk through it and let God change you this morning.
0: In this house, would you? Hallelujah. 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 Folks, we are on a journey. We are on a death. We are on a journey. We are going through a process, a procedure. We are on the way to where God wants to take us. How many of you believe that this morning? He's got a plan. He's got a pro, but we got to walk through the process sometimes. Please don't forget. Six o'clock. Tonight, Right back here in the sanctuary. I believe we're going to have a great time in the Lord tonight. So please come on back. And I believe God's going to touch us. Brother Randy, come on and just dismiss us in prayer as we leave here today. message we heard today and Father I pray that you would just uh, apply it to my heart and each one of us that we apply it to our own lives Lord and Father just uh, trust you no matter what season of life we're in that we'll just trust you put our faith in you and look to that great reward that you have for us Lord we ask these things in Jesus name amen